Hello, everybody. Um, welcome back to another episode of Born and Then Raised. This is Ravi speaking to you. What's up? It's Raf. We know that we haven't done an episode in quite a while, and you know we've been busy, but uh, we're just we're just happy to be back. Yeah, you know, it's an opportunity for us to speak on some things, obviously, that have been weighing heavy on our hearts, and uh, provide some necessary updates on stuff that we've spoken about in the past. Um, I think today we're going to be focusing a lot on. Um, a new case that we came across mm-hmm. um, and also giving you guys updates on the Breonna Taylor case as we said we would last time. Um, yeah, and then after that, we actually have uh, two guests. Um, right. You guys probably see who it is, but uh, we'll just wait on that for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so first off, I, we kind of want to get into um, the story of uh, a 15-year-old kid, honestly, right. he's a child. Uh, his name is uh, Kawan Charles, but like you know, people called him Bobby, so I'm just gonna refer to him um, as Kawan or Bobby, really. So, what happened was this kid was found face down, and he was found dead in a uh, a sugarcane field, I believe it was, mm-hmm. in Louisiana. And unfortunately, the case is like still open. So I'm just gonna give you guys first like a quick timeline, and then I'm gonna give you um, what's going on after that, like you know, kind of like what happened after that, and what kind of I guess struck our not struck our interest, but like, because I was already like looking into it for a while. But um, something was said after the events have taken place, and kind of like what's transpiring now that I kind of want to speak on. So initially, Kawan like left his father's house, right? And he did, he kind of like left. And this was what day was this? This was October thirtieth, right? Right. So it was October thirtieth, uh, around three p.m. Like earlier in the day, he like he left his father's house, and his father had no idea, and. It was around like 7 p.m. His mother was supposed to come and pick him up, but you know he was he, he wasn't seen in his room or anything. So they went to the police station to report you know a missing child, but they kind of didn't really take him that seriously. And they said like, oh, well, he's probably at a football game. Like you know it's no big deal. So they didn't actually report him missing at the time. Fast forward about four days, so like November 3rd, and they actually pinged his phone. Because they realized, like, okay, like, he's he's really gone at right, this point. Done that, yeah. So they pinged his phone, and then that's when they found him uh, dead. And if, you, it's, it, if you've seen it in, like, you know, social media, it's kind of being likened to um, what happened to Emmett Till in 1955. Um, he's, his body was just, like, he was mangled. It was distorted. And he was just, he's just in really bad shape. Like, it just, it looks awful. Um, and his mother actually posted the picture of what he looked like um, when they found him um, on the, like, on... I think it was his, like, his funeral, like, his funeral page. They posted it because they felt that, like, you know, it, it kind of resembled that, and they wanted people to kind of, like, be aware of what was actually happening, and they believed this was racially motivated, right? And what was interesting about this case was that the last people who saw him alive, it wasn't even his father. It was actually these, uh, it was his friend, who's, like, a 17-year-old friend named, like, Gavin Irvin, right? And, his, mm-hmm. and like, his mother, right, Jeanette Irvin. And they picked him up around like 3 p.m. on the on the 30th, and like they had like surveillance footage of this. But like after November 3rd, they questioned them, and now they're like they're nowhere to be found. Like they kind of just like disappeared. They left their mobile home, and they just vanished. So like the police are currently looking for them, just to ask them a few more questions. Um, try to like figure out and establish a timeline of what happened. But you know, there's really not much else to be to be said. So what kind of made this, what made this interesting was that when they found the body after like they, they, they officially, you know, called him like, you know, they officially announced him gone and missing. Wait, what, when was it on the third, right? Early that morning, right. By 6 PM that night they found him. So that tells me that, you know, if you just put in the effort at the time when he was initially reported missing, you would have found him. Right. But you, you didn't. So this was actually a key point that um, the mother and the father were kind of saying, and they felt as though because of Kawan's race, he wasn't taken seriously. Like, you know, like a black child just isn't really kind of valued as much. Right. And they felt as though, you know, if if this was a white kid, everyone would have gone out looking for him that same night. Mm -hmm. But no one found him. Right. And actually, the surveillance footage of Jeanette and Gavin picking up Kawan was actually found it was found by the police, but the mother and the father of Kawan actually found out that they were picked up by them, like that he was picked up by them on their own. Like they were searching by themselves for the first two days, first two, three days. 
it wasn't until the police got involved that they found them within literally maybe like 12 to 14 hours Mm -hmm. so like it just kind of it, it it didn't sit right with me and it was actually said by um what's his name andre arsenu so he's kind of like a local activist and he's a founder of um of a movement and like a, a kind of like a, a charity or an organization called uh, Stand Black. And he kind of said that the failure to find Kawan is part of a much larger issue. And this is what I was speaking on earlier. Right. Um, and that's when he said on, on like a news on like live TV, he said, you know, we believe that if he had been of a different color, this would have been taken a lot more seriously. Right. And that kind of, it struck a chord with me because to me, it, it kind of seems to not ring, not just ring true, but it, it speaks on even a, a larger topic, in my opinion, you know, like kind of like what African-Americans go through, like, you know, how when you look at a lot of African-Americans, they're so resilient. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a situation like this is kind of like it it speaks on that on that topic. So I think that's something that um, our guests are going to talk about, you know, with us. Right. And we're kind of just going to try to go back and forth on that. Right. But, yeah, no, that's what happened. I mean, currently what the coroner said about the cause of death, mm-hmm. um, if I can shed light on that real quickly is that one they called it a drowning an accidental drowning but the water apparently isn't even higher than like it's like beneath your knee when you go over there right right so they called it an accidental drowning they didn't they i mean they listed it as homicide but they call any like you know they call anything that's like you know that that autopsy is going through like they call it just like a strict homicide um so they actually tried to dismiss it as an accidental drowning but the family raised the money for a secondary autopsy so we're just waiting on results of that autopsy mm-hmm. and they actually also said that you know if you find the picture online the coroner said that a lot of the images and like the wounds and like the scrapes to his face and like you know like how he's so deformed he's saying that that was due to aquatic animals just kind of like you know rubbing past his face when he was like when he was already dead from drowning um days prior to it to his body being found so it's it's kind of being i wouldn't say like swept under the rug but like they dismissed it probably within a week yeah and they don't want to follow any leads so right at this point um they're still looking uh they're still trying to find out more um but that that's really what it is i mean no amber alert was even sent out so there's just a lot of different holes and concerns in this, like in the way that the police handled this. Mm-hmm. Um, they're attributing it to like their poor funding, but I feel like you, you you can't just use that as a cop out to just you know tell a parent to their face like you know when they report their child missing, you say that oh they might be at a football game. So like I feel like you can't attribute that lack of empathy to poor funding by any yeah. means. So. I mean, that's what um, the Kwan, Char- Kwan Charles, um, sorry, my bad, Kwan Charles case is looking like. Uh, looking like We can give you more guys more updates um, in the future uh, when we hear more, but it's just really early right now. And yeah. there's like, you know, kind of small conflicting details that, you know, I think a greater and more clear story will be given soon. But that's about as much as I could find from a lot of cross-referencing and um, just like investigating myself. So Yeah. I mean, just moving on quickly to the... Um Breonna Taylor case because like we said today we we have guests and we're trying to I think we we want to do a discussion uh, that'll be probably mm-hmm. the bigger part of, uh, of today's episode but because we hadn't done an episode in such a long time we thought it would be important to back up first and do this intro section you know so I'm um, going back to the Breonna Taylor case the last episode we spoke about um, the fact that there was you know they were talking about re- releasing the recordings from the entire like trial and judicial process involving like Daniel Cameron and uh, Cameron, Cameron, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Cameron, Cameron. Yeah. Daniel Cameron and like um, the suggestions that he made to the, to the jury, all that stuff as far as the cops involved in the shooting. Right. Um, so initially we were waiting on the recordings to be released because when the judge ruled that they should be released, he filed a, a Daniel Cameron filed, filed a, motion i guess to delay mm-hmm. the release of the recordings uh yeah. he said he needed more time to process them and make sure that they were like a cohesive thing when they were released and like a lot of people were angered by that obviously because you know 48 hours to process could be 48 hours with the taking out stuff that probably really matters and um eventually the recordings were released or released on october 2nd and the major thing that people noticed from those recordings is that they had everything 
up until the attorney general, which is him, Daniel Cameron, his um, recommendations to the jury as far as sentencing and also uh, the jury deliberation. And the reason why they weren't part of the recordings is because he stated that it wasn't part of evidence. So that didn't need to be made public. But when people are kind of pushing for those recordings to be released, people really just doing that so we could figure out like what really went down as far as his recommendations to the jury and how we presented the case altogether. Because there was talk that even though he claimed that he suggested that they um, they charged the officers with homicide and all these other things, the jury d- decided not to. They just deliberated that it wasn't the case and that the, the officers were acting, you know, they acted correctly. But um, after, after I guess, people started pushing, his story changed, right? Like you and I were talking about that just yesterday and you yeah. were saying at first he made it seem as though it was the jury that said not to charge them with any sort of additional charges apart from wanton endangerment. Mm. But it actually turns out that some jurors were saying that recommendation was never made, you know? Mm. And so that's why there was kind of this push for the recordings to be released in the first place. So that, that portion of it is missing. I thought it was important to note. And then another thing that we notice, obviously, is that since the release of these, of the recordings of the proceedings, there hasn't really been much that's happening. I don't know whether mm. that's that's because... Breonna Taylor's family is waiting to make a move legally or if there's some organization, I guess, that's looking into it. But as of right now, it's been very quiet as far as, you know, Daniel Cameron's case and people looking into him. The attention's kind of shifted and not a lot of people are talking about it anymore. Um, the recordings themselves are available publicly if you guys want to, if anybody wants to listen to them, but they might need, you might need to, to dig a little bit just to find them. But if not the recordings themselves, what I think would be a great idea is if you watch uh, the documentary that um, ABC News did. I think it's like their 20 for 20 or something like that. Yeah. They did like a uh, Breonna Taylor sp- episode and it's like an hour 20. And it's basically, um, I think I think it's an interesting documentary if you're just trying to hear from both sides. Because they do a great job at, at interviewing both the family and like people who knew her and also the cops. Um, I'm not too sure if they're the exact same cops that were directly involved. Probably not, because I'm pretty sure legally they can't talk about it. But it was people that, under, you know, were kind of like on the cop side uh, trying to reason out and justify their actions. And I think whenever we talk about something like this, it's always important to hear things from both sides and keep an open mind because you can always learn something, you know. So I think it's a great documentary because they try to stay neutral as far as your opinion of it, mm-hmm. but still providing you with all the information and putting it forward to you and then you making your own decision on what's what so that'd be a great documentary for you guys to watch um apart from that the only thing that's that's still going on is that uh brett hankinson the guy who the officer who actually got charged with wanton endangerment is the Mm -hmm. one who shot into the neighbor's apartment Mm -hmm. um as of november 11th the judge ruled to release the evidence to the public for that case and uh the judge claimed that with the release of the recordings from the Breonna Taylor case and the other officers, there's not a lot of information that hasn't already been made public. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure that any new or significant information is going to come out, come of that when they release those yeah. recordings. Cause I mean, his case is unfortunate because it's kind of like a scapegoat type of trial. No, it, it really, it really feels like that. So I don't know if we're going to learn anything from that, but if there is going to be progress as far as charging all the other cops with murder or homicide, whatever you want to call it, I think it's in people digging deep into those recordings that were released and also pushing for that three-minute window that was taken out that involves the AG's recommendations to the jury and the jury deliberation. I think if that piece of recordings were to get released to the public or at least released to the family, not only would it give them you know, some sort of closure on something that has been a question in their minds for months because I know um, Brianna's mom said she does she never trusted Daniel Cameron from the get-go so I think it'd be important for her to really know like what side he's on at least so like what kind of person I guess he is or, or you know just just to get some closure at least have a better understanding of what's going on and finding out if people really the judicial system really is trying to get to the bottom of it or if it's something that you know the AG and like the police department is just hoping he's going to get swept under the rug yeah so i guess we can yeah. just have to just gonna have to really wait and right. see um 
to Liam Moore, but like I said, same with Kawan, um, Charles' right. situation. You know, when we when we hear something uh, new and advanced, then uh, we'll definitely let you guys know. All right, but um, I guess we can get into introducing the guests. Right. Um, if you guys probably you know you guys definitely know who this is. Uh, it's Quintel Clements and Rashad Nurse. What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having us. No problem. No problem at all. We're just glad that we can uh, finally speak to somebody else rather than just ourselves. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, first off, I guess we can really ask, I mean, what do you guys, what have you guys made of really what's going on with the Breonna Taylor case, um, Kwan Charles, I guess what we kind of, I guess, introduced here in the beginning. I mean, what do you guys take from it, Shad? I mean, what are you thinking? I'm just thinking in general, it's like, I feel like in the past like months, like it's like died down on like the social media wave. Like I've really not, like I haven't like seen much about it lately. Hmm. But like the um the um Kwan Charles case, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I didn't hear about this until like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Mm. So things like that, like I just feel like it's just like dying down, you know, like on the platform wise, which it should not like this um should be a mainstream, you know. Right. Like right now, so I don't know, I just feel like I'm just gonna die down right now. Right. Okay. I mean Q, what what have you seen from I mean anything caught your eye, like I mean, yeah, kind of like to piggyback on what Sha was saying about the like the whole Brianna Taylor thing. Like you don't like really hear about it as much. Like you don't see it anywhere as much, especially with like the NBA being off because like you know they they talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was watching this video the other day on Instagram, and it was this this African American male talking about how like you know when all these things happen, you know everybody's screaming Black Lives Matter and all this but like the main thing is like we got to continue to like stream that when like those type of incidents don't happen so they don't happen again and then as far as like the kwan thing like like i don't know if this is like bad but it's like it's like you kind of get numb to like hear things like this and like that's that's just like so sad to say Mm -hmm. that like no one should feel like numb when they hear oh showing like certain things happen it's like, especially with that, like that's a child, you know, like. Right. Yeah. What did you say he was like eleven, right? Like that's no, like 15. that's right. He's fifteen. Let's yeah. still, still like that's right around my my younger brother's age. Like that's just so mm-hmm. sad to hear about. Right. I mean, yeah, I think I think that's a great point, and I um, you know, kind of flashback to one of the first episodes we ever did. It was just that Raph and I were talking like when George Floyd happened at first. You know, it's shocking, yeah, but. You want to say that it's so shocking, like, oh, my God, I could never. But part of you is really like, hey, it's just another one. You know, you don't want to feel that way. and You never want to say that. And you never want it to feel like it's something that keeps on repeating itself. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely that, like, you get numb, you know, kind of. You know, you, you someone's telling you about it and you're just like, OK, you know, like that there's another one. So so that's something we can definitely, re- uh, you know, relate to. And I think a lot of times people are scared to say that. Uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, they think that it makes them less human or makes them seem like a bad person. Right. But when you've kind of experienced systemic racism and seen it happen so many times, so many you, times. you get to that point, you know, yeah. you yeah. you get to that point, even though you don't want to get there. You know, if you starve every day, it's not a surprise that on day 10 you starve again. Yeah. You know, so... Right. That's 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 something I think is is pretty important that we get it out of the way right now. You know, just we're human, you know, we're human because we feel the way that we do, not because we're not human. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. And I mean, just kind of I mean, even looking back at George Floyd, it kind of just reminds me like, I mean, what have you guys really thought about in terms of, I guess, when George Floyd happened? I mean, where were you? Like, what were you what were you thinking? Like, where who are you with? Honestly, I mean, how how do you think your friends have have taken it, like, in general? You, you want to go first, or you want me to go? Uh, nah, you can go first and collect my thoughts. <laughs> uh, when I heard about this, I think I was at home quarantine, I'm honest. I think it's when, like, the quarantine first started, I believe so. Right, yeah. And um, I was around my grandma, and we saw it on the news and, like, on our phones and stuff like that. And it was just, like, 
it was like, wow, like, this is, like, real, you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, like, we've, like, seen this in our lifetime, you know, like, I'm growing up Black and stuff like that, you know, like, oh, we see on police and brutality and stuff like that, but right. it was, like, this, like, really happened, and, like, they just killed them, like, right there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, for my grandma, I kind of, like, scared her, you know, because, like, I'm a young man, I'm growing up in a world right. where this can happen, yeah. you know, to me, too, so it was, it was just crazy, and it was, like, me seeing like the protests that happened, you know, like I was like not happy that we came um together as people because of the circumstances, but like you know, like I was like happy that we came, you know, to like for like a better cause for us, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But like honestly, like I'm all in all, like it made me like like scared, honestly. Not even like because like I'm scared every day, you know, to walk outside, to like drive and stuff like that, you know, like I'm scared to get pulled over now. But it's just to have them interactions with cops, bro, like, that made it even worse. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, like, I don't know. I'm just scared, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a rational fear to yeah. have. I mean, it's not – that doesn't make you any – that doesn't make you weak by any means. Because I, yeah. I, know, I know damn well, like, I'd be, I'd be scared too. So, like, I don't think that makes any of us weak. If anything, it makes us aware. You right. know, like, it makes us aware of the situation. And I think everyone's kind of, like, I guess – father mother you know sibling um any relative like you know when you have someone so close to you who kind of like just reminds you like even even thinking for a second that like that empathy to just look at a situation being like wow like you know this could have been someone that i I know and i love Mm -hmm. really close to me like it's it's concerning to know that that person could literally be in that situation within a heartbeat right and you wouldn't even know about it right so i mean it's it hurts, but I mean, it's it's something that you kind of we we live with every day, and it's it's about trying to handle it better together. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, Q, like, what what did you? Who were you with? Like, you know, what were you experiencing at the time? For me, like, I don't really remember like where I was when I first heard about it, mm-hmm. but I remember where I was when I like first saw the video, and like I was I was just at home just chilling. My mom's like, "Yo, you you seen the video?" I'm like, "Nah." And then, like, the first time watching it, like, I, I couldn't even finish it like that. Just to watch that man suffer like that, like, that's that's just crazy. And, like, the officer's just chilling on his, like, just chilling. Like, like it's, like, nothing serious while that poor man, like, his life is just being taken away from him by seconds. Right. Like, and just to hear him, like, call out for his mom, like, personally, like, I'm a huge mama's boy. Like, just to see a grown man, like, call out for his mom, like, it just hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean when you listen when you listen to the whole thing and what he's saying and i mean you could you could honestly say this about a lot of times when we have this like footage right of of stuff like this happening it's just you can tell how real it's becoming for the person in that situation you know what i mean yeah. like at first they're trying mm-hmm. to be calm and then you know it's kind of like that whole thing that people say that, you know when you're close to dying like all the important people in your life like kind of flash right in front of your eyes and like your life just kind of zooms by and you can you can tell you know like you can tell with those people that at first it might be i'm just trying to get to the store man i'm just trying to just leave me alone just leave and then it gets to a point where it's like he's straight up like praying you know like he's straight up like god save me and it's like for somebody who's that old to to be in a position where they're publicly like crying out for help you know like crying out to their mom like you said it's dark it's real dark. Like you start to notice, you know, it, it's, it definitely like strikes a chord because you, you just realize how ultimately we're all human, you know, yeah. and we're all kind of living life. And at any point we're, 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 we're subject to, to this kind of system. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you're mm-hmm. looking and you're like, man, this could be me. I could really be minding my own business, trying to go to Seven Eleven to get a pizza and this could happen to me. You know, it's fear. It's, it's, it's. It's it's a fear yeah. that it kind of it chills you to your bones honestly oh, yeah. like it, it's chilling mm-hmm. like it's like even just now like I got like chills like yeah. just just shaking a little bit because it, it it's something that's so real but it's it's yeah. disgusting that it's even real yeah right and it makes you wonder I mean like what can you do to make this fear less real like what can you do to even put yourself in a position where you don't even have to experience that fear and I think that's what that's kind of what I find amazing about what happened this summer mm-hmm. in terms of, like, I mean, like what, like a lot of people like, like Q, you already mentioned, like with the NBA, like, you know, like so many different like 
avenues that we that we consider part of our normal lives right. that we consume. It's like they're trying to make efforts and steps that make this fear or being in that position less likely. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, attacking police reform on one side or even like trying to adjust what you're doing to make sure you're not even in that position. But like it's right. it's frustrating because, you know, being black, like that's not a choice. Like it's 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 where we are. So I'm kind of glad and it's it's nice to see so many different people kind of look at it as, okay, what can we do to fix the system and not the people? Because the people didn't ask to be laying on their bellies with a knee on their neck. Hmm. They never asked for that. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, it's I guess frustrating, but I guess while, you know, while we're talking about that and I know, uh, Rashad was talking a bit about how, you know, some fears, obviously this was like a, not an isolated incident, but it's one of those like checkpoints, I guess, that, that definitely mm-hmm. make you fear for your own safety a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But even when that's not happening, you know, even when even when you haven't heard about something like that happening to somebody for a couple of weeks, a month, you know, maybe even a year, you know, like if, if we look back before George Floyd, you could almost say like, all right, like Breonna Taylor. But if if we're if we're to eliminate some of the cases that have happened, you know, that make this seem very, very repetitive, there's still this like underlying awareness that, you know, Shad, you spoke about, you know, just growing up black. And I think that's something that we are very interested in talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess my question to you guys is, what kind of, did you grow up feeling that you had to be like more aware than um, your counterparts, uh, whether that be other black males or people of another race? Or did you did you feel that um, growing up, it became very evident very early on that because of your race, you had to, act a certain way and avoid certain interactions with with uh, law enforcement hmm. yeah definitely i'm cute i'm gonna go first yeah you can go first just continue the trend <laughs> all right um but yeah definitely um i just feel like i'm growing up my mom just like instilled in me like you know if i have a, an encounter with the police how to act you know how to wear myself when i might go outside take your hands out of pockets i mean you go you know i'm into stores and no hoods on i mean you go into to um, stories, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's just like how they see us, you know, like growing up as a black kid, you're seen as a troublemaker or you're seen as, you know, you're already trying to do something bad already. So my mom always just instilled in me, be more unrespectable than you were brought up, you know what I mean? In certain yeah. situations, right. you know, and like that did make me um, grow up faster because now, you know, most kids really like now they're I'm seeing it firsthand so now they have to you know like adjust them to it but like as a kid like I really didn't see it as much mm-hmm. but like now I know why my mom made me do certain things you know because of the society am I living them today right mm-hmm. yeah I definitely feel that like my my parents and like grandparents put emphasis on you know how to act when you're like dealing with police officers and like one of one of the things that like I remember my mom put a lot of emphasis on was like after like the whole like Trayvon Martin thing, she was like, yeah, like whenever you walk like it's dark outside or you go in a store, you know, make sure you never have your hood up. And I'm like, like what was what was I like thirteen? Like at the time at the time, like mm-hmm. I'm like what putting my hood up? Like why does that matter? Like I'm a kid. Like what do you mean? Right, like why yeah. is that such a big deal? And like as you know, I've gotten older, like I've come to understand. That, you know, like, people of color, like, with a hood up, I might be seen as a threat. Like, you know, like, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, and yeah. back off of that, too. I'm sorry for cutting you guys off. No, no, no you're good. Go uh, ahead. The Trayvon Martin thing. Um, Yeah, bro. And we were 13 at the time. You know what I mean? Like, he was just I'm walking outside. I'm by himself. So, like, as a kid, you know, me being active, me going to play basketball all the time, mm-hmm. you know, me hanging out with friends. It kind of didn't get, like, cut, but, like, my mom was definitely more like, yo, don't come home when it's nighttime outside, you know, right. beat the streetlights, you know what I mean? Just because of her fears of me being outside and it's nighttime, you know, during, during the um, summertime, she was just, like, I'm more scared for me, you know, just to be outside with the cops and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I can get in trouble, like, like even if I'm not doing anything, you know what I mean? I can still get caught up, just like I'm trying yeah. 
just like he did. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, it was just – she just got more strict on that that type of stuff. I mean, like, you speaking on, you know, basketball and how that kind of, like, I guess, how that was an avenue that even even trying to go outside and play, like, how racism played on you trying to enjoy yourself as a child, right? I mean, like, what has basketball kind of done for you guys in terms of, like, I guess, handling – racism or kind of handling those differences that maybe someone else might not have to deal with like i mean growing up like i know you guys have probably seen like every level of basketball there is like whether it be like you know middle school high school aau you know club like whatever it is and now being at the college level what do you think has changed or how has that evolved you got this one i gotta gather my thoughts on this one <laughs> you repeat the question you kind of cut out a little bit at the end oh, oh sorry my bad um how has basketball really like evolved for you guys in terms of like I guess handling racism? Is it like an avenue that you use to I guess really like include more people, or has it really been something that has been like changed as you've grown up? Because I mean, I know Shad just mentioned that you know like how kind of racism had an effect on him trying to have fun and go outside and play basketball. So right. like, I guess how has that how has basketball changed for you growing up playing at all these different levels that you have? Well, for me personally, like basketball was always like, like the scapegoat. Like you know, it was always my way of like I didn't have to deal with like anything, like racism, mm. school, like so that's always been like my like escape route. You know, it's just always allowed me to deal with things that like I've gone I've gone through in a different way. Mm. I mean, seeing the way the NBA has dealt with racism, I mean, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like there's more that could be done? I mean. Is there anything, anyone like specific that you've noticed um, in the NBA that has done a lot? I guess what is it to you? What does it mean to you to kind of see the NBA do what they did this summer and hopefully in the future? Well, yeah, on that note, like to see what they did over the summer was like tremendous, especially like with LeBron. Like LeBron is like personally, like he's one of my idols since I was like six years old. Like, like to see him like leading the charge with like the whole Breonna Taylor thing like it was just like beautiful to me like like LeBron was my favorite like my favorite player like basketball wise but like he definitely was one of my favorite people like after that like the things he does off the court right. for mm-hmm. like the entire community is just like amazing and to see the whole entire NBA like backpack that like it was just so beautiful like black white the commissioner team GMs team owners it was just like a great thing to see Mm. yeah Yeah, definitely and like not even because like you know like that didn't just like touch us as like the black community you know with just basketball but like every like a lot of people you know what i mean because like it's more than just the black community i'm watching basketball nowadays so that (laughs) hit some of my friends you know like from i'm watching basketball and uh, and i'm making those bonds right those like they kind of reached out you know um, to me it was like yo you know, I'm like, I can help, you know, I'm any way I can, right. you know, like, I just felt like what the, um, what the um, NBA did and like the um, NFL did, mm-hmm. it brought um, people more um, together because that's what we love to do, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, I feel like that's something that we all um, get along with. So that was definitely like a point of time where like we all came to um, together as one to um, to um, help each other and like um, guide each other at the same time. Yeah. You know, talking about, talking about basketball and I think um do you think that basketball has uh, f- afforded you opportunities to i guess interact with other people probably you know especially when you were younger you know like both of you said there were certain like things that your parent that you know parents told you or like your grandparents told you the way to act out when you're outside and it didn't quite make sense when you were younger do you think that um basketball just your interactions with some of your friends allowed you to try and reason it out better and understand better and realize that it's not just you because i know with a lot of with a lot of things that happen you know when like you're growing up and your parents are telling you not to do certain things you think it's just a you thing but uh when you go out there and you start sharing these stories with um classmates teammates friends you start to realize hey this is something that we're all trying to go through do you think that your interactions through basketball allowed you to realize that a you are not just alone that some of your other black friends were going through the same thing and also b did you notice that it was something that was exclusive to only the black kids you were interacting with the black kids on your on your on your team well for me like oh do you want to go for a shot or do you want to 
No, you got it. You got it. All right. For, for me, like from like from the time I played basketball and up until like high school, like my my teams were predominantly black. So like, and we were all like like best friends. Like we played together since like fourth grade. So like, I knew what they were going through and they knew what I was going through because like we was going through it together. And like I, we had like a couple white kids on our team, but like you know they really couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. of like what we had to go through because like they didn't they didn't have those issues you know right mm-hmm. yeah um i can say the same thing really well like i'm growing up you know like i'm in the city like i really didn't play with like a lot of like um white kids and stuff like that but like as i got older and stuff from like in college and like at the end of high school i started playing with them and like you know when you play with people you know i mean become like a brotherhood you know right. what i mean like deeper than that so we started sharing stories, you know, and like we just knew each other on like a deeper level. And like we saw like, you know, what we each went through, not saying it's the same severity, you know what I mean? Like his is I'm bigger than mine or something like that. But you know what I mean? Like we did see each other's, you know, what we both went through. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just feel like basketball just brought like for, for me, at least it just brought it like it gave me like a world like I can see more people and you know and just not from where I'm from you know I might just say right. you know like I can see like my best friend's background I'm differently and like he sees my problems so yeah um I guess the second part of that question you know where I was trying to take it now is do you think that now while you're playing in college or 2020 was the first time that some of your other non-black friends um, were able to finally understand the kind of fears that you you live through day by day and understand um, why you're perhaps the way that you are and you behave the way that you are and you're extremely careful. Do you think this was like the first time that you know your white friends were coming up to you like, "Yo, is this how is this how you be acting? Is this is this why you do the things that you do?" Do you think this was like the first time ever? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I'll definitely say, like, I feel like they get a sense of, like, what we go through, Mm -hmm. like, but, like, then again, like, I feel like they will never truly understand, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. until, like, they feel it, you know what I mean? And, like, it's been, like, a lot of occasions, you know, like, some, some people are, like, cause, like, I'm very, um, passionate about basketball, you know what I mean? So, like, Mm -hmm. and, like, I play from what I've been through and what, like, I've experienced. So, like, I show, like, my, like, emotions that way. So some people tend to um, question of why, like, I play like that. And, and, like, now I think from them seeing what happened, you know, the course of the summer to, like, now, like, 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 I'm Robbie Axe, he said, like, now they're trying to understand, like, I know why, you know, you're like this and stuff like that. But, like, I don't think they fully understand, but, like, they're getting, like, a good Okay. Right. Q has it uh, been the same. I wouldn't for you? say it's like the first time, mm-hmm. but I would definitely say that like they got a greater understanding of like you know how and why mm-hmm. and all that of like why I act away or speak a certain way. Right. I would definitely say that they got a greater understanding. Okay. I mean, how the of the conversations you've had, you know, post this situation, like, I mean, I know we've kind of like harped on this concept that, you know, it has been a repetitive thing and we were aware of that, but you know, this time around it being such a, a national and global and, you know, a global thing that a lot of people are seeing. Um, how would you say the kind of like, have you noticed like any of your conversations change? Like, you know, maybe like people's energy feels a little bit different. Like, do you think some people kind of started to approach you a little, you know, more carefully, because, like, I know, like, from our conversations that some people came up to us and talked to us about, it was a very, like, hesitant thing, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the way we approached it, it was kind of like a, you know, like, hey, let's talk about it, like, let's talk about it full on, because it's something that I've wanted to talk about for a while, so, I mean, how do you, how have those conversations with um, some white people that you know, like, or that you, you care about, you love closely in your life, how have those conversations gone for you, too? Well, I wouldn't say like I'm not gonna say like all white people because like my two best friends are white and like you know like they've understood from like the get go. Right. But like some I, like it's just weird. Like some white people they'll be like, like, do you need anything? Like you know, how can I help? 
and like I don't like need any well like I don't really like need like uh, something materialistic or anything you know I just need you to see me as like an equal you know like that, that's all I'm asking for like you know see me as how you see yourself like we the same like we different but we the same at the same at the same time like that's right. all I'm asking for yeah. oh yeah definitely um I would say like I've been like approached not like by like my like close friend because I have like a lot of close white friends I have white white I'm teammates you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like I'm going back to school or or I'm just even like a phone call like it's been some um you know a moments where like they're like not scared to say something but like they are more likely you know to check up on me just to see how I'm doing you know what I mean I think it just made them more aware that they definitely like they saw it firsthand because you know what I mean because because I'm growing up, I feel like they just saw it and, like, they really didn't, like, see it. They just saw it in, like, right. textbooks and in class and stuff like that right. through um, segregation. But, like, now they saw it firsthand and, and it's on, on social media. Mm-hmm. And us as their friends, they definitely know that I'll make it happen um, to us, too. So some of my um, conversations has been more, you know, um, hesitant to say um, certain things. And they just, you know, like you said, just um, ask me if I need anything or stuff like that. Right. But... Yeah, just, you know, being around the bush kind yeah. of. And I think also, you know, as far as, you know, like you said, there's some white people that were pretty close to you that um, were very understanding. I think, and, and I'm kind of going to shift this to my own experience. I think what's important to note also is different people have a different way of looking at racism and different people have felt it differently, okay? Whereas for some people, you know, it could be like, oh, like I have a black friend and they don't seem to dress differently. They never, they never were hesitant to go to the store at night. It's like you experience racism differently. You know, mm-hmm. um, they may not have experienced it the way that you did, and that's got a lot to do with maybe demographics. You know, the time and place. You know, a lot, a lot of these things. Like I'll speak for myself personally and say, growing up back home, I never had to worry about, you know, going to the store or or being in a car and getting pulled over or anything like that because if i get pulled over 99 percent of the time the cop is black so he's gonna relate to me right Mm. but i still understood that there's this systemic racism that has put me in the place where i'm at that makes certain opportunities um harder for me to get than somebody who is of a different race you know what i mean so I think just being aware of that allows you to be more open-minded about the conversation when it's time to have it. Mm-hmm. And it takes away the whole like, oh, like, what do you need type of thing? You know, because at the end of the day, it's not really about being there for one person. You know, it's not really about, oh, Shad needs something. We got to get it for him because like, you know, he's had a tough life. That's not what it is. Your The whole thing is, can your perception of Shad change the way you look at the entire race of people? Can yeah. your intera- interactions with Shad um, educate you a little bit more about what other people apart from yourself might be going through? Mm-hmm. Does it make you more aware and more considerate overall? You know, not just as far as racism is concerned, even as sexism is concerned, no, or whatever issues that we have we have in society. I think ultimately, it's not looking at the worst cases or the best cases and picking the ones that we want to talk about or do mm-hmm. something about. It's your ability to look at everything, the entire picture from the person who's never had to worry, even though they're black, to somebody who's literally had to worry about leaving the house at five o'clock at night and just realizing that even though they had it both ways, if the roles had been switched, it'd be exactly the same thing. You know, like if the person who grew up in a richer family in a nicer neighborhood had grown up elsewhere, you know, they would have been experiencing the same type of racism that somebody else is experiencing. I think that awareness and having those connections with, with guys like you. And I think that that's why I think it's important that we keep saying the best thing that you can do for yourself is to be able to allow yourself to have that conversation. The yeah. more we can talk about it, the more we can educate our, each other and we, the more we can educate ourselves. Like I've learned so much from Raf, even though when people look at us outside, we're the same race. But Raf and I's experiences have been so different that it's a constant journey where we're learning from each other and it allows me to appreciate you know him as a person and where he's coming from and his background and those skills that i've learned from him i can apply them to somebody who's white and just do and do just as well appreciate the other person's experiences and 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 where they're coming from and their background and realizing ultimately people don't experience life the same way that you do that's i think that's that's the biggest message you can take from from this right now yeah 
And I mean, I think it even that even harps on what Q you were saying about LeBron and him being like such an idol. And I think right. what makes it so beautiful and what makes him such a unique model mm-hmm. is that like he, looking at where he is, this man is you know rich beyond reason. Like he's just right. he's doing very well for himself. He's very very successful, right? But he still took time out of his day to right. sit down and have a meeting about opening a school for kids in his own hometown. Like right. that 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 that's humble. Like I think that's what we're getting at. It's the ability to humble yourself and, you know, take yourself out of your own shoes and your own place and your own, you know, room right. and be able to talk to someone else and realize that like, hey, like I may not be able to, you know, completely understand or relate, but I'm sit I'm willing to sit down and genuinely try. Just try. And right. like, you know, 9 times out of 10 when you do put in that effort, eventually it clicks. You know, it makes sense and you realize that, you know, I still don't understand this, but like I can see where you're coming from. Right. I may not fully be able to understand this in the sense that I can live it myself. Right. But I can genuinely see where you're coming from and right. what you've experienced and what's made you, you know, right. and I think you are. And I think that's a great point. I was, I was literally just about to add that, you know, I don't think we're ever going to solve any of the social issues that we have if we kind of have this mindset of it could happen to me. Because it's it, there are certain situations where it doesn't feel like it could happen to you, right? Like there, I'm never going to be able to relate to a woman who's who's paid less than a guy who has the same job in the same organization as her. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna understand that. That could never happen to me, you know, practically. But I think if we kind of have this attitude that it happened to somebody else and that's enough to fix it, I think we'll go mm-hmm. very far in terms okay. of in terms of changing things. Like we look at racism, for example, and as far as black people, we we say, you know. This could have happened to me. You look at George Floyd like I could. That could have been me in that situation. This is why a person who's looking at it like it's never going to happen to me, but it happened to somebody else, and that should be a reason enough to want things to change. That's um, true. But yeah, going into going into um, kind of backtracking, going back to just the way you guys were talking about how we grew up, and you know, these extra restrictions and and the extra awareness that you had to have. I think. My next question for you guys is, do you think that as as young black Americans growing up, you guys have sort of an additional responsibility, um, whether it be to your families, to your communities, to your kids? Do you think that um, you're going to have to be like a role model more than like you're not just do you feel like you're not just doing it for yourself? Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. bro. Yeah. I just feel like um, as black people, we're seen as this type of image and like especially like as a black man you know what right. i mean like mm-hmm. you grow up and you're watching these movies and like you're seeing it in person it's like most of the movies and of what i'm hearing and what i'm seeing my the black males are in jail you know what i mean like right. that's how like i grew up like the black men were in jail you know what i mean they're either selling drugs or playing sports and there's really no role models for you like you know what i mean right so me growing up, like my mom was my biggest role model. Right. So how like I saw her carry herself, she, she always taught me to be like, you know, like a self-made man and, you know, to carry on yourself, you know, with um, respect and to lead that on to, you know, my kids or, you know, um, my family in general. So mm-hmm. like right now, like I have like two little cousins and like I try to to be the best role model that I can, you know what I mean? Like I tried to do the right things, right? you know, just to steer them right, um, go to school, you know, you, like that's just something, you know, like I feel like I have to do because I feel like they've seen too much in their life already, you know, like it's black on people in general. So, mm. you know. Thank you. Nah, I feel that, yeah. uh, especially for me, because like I have a, I got a younger brother, he's mm-hmm. What, 12 like he's he's literally a younger me like his name even starts with they even call him Lil Q you know so like <laughs> I feel like it's like my responsibility to show him that like like you know you could be like the greatest person ever you know like yeah and like too like like where I'm from like the people who've made it you know like in my like neighborhood I should say or like hood has been like either like a rapper or like a basketball player you know like they really no no one took like you know like the school route and like that's really 
they haven't really like seen like a lot of black people do that in general. Like there's not really no one in my family who graduated f- with a four year um, degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like for me to be the first one to do that, you know, like I'm setting the right example for my kids in the future and my family to still go do it. You know what I mean? Right. So, no, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that is real. I mean, I, I, I appreciate you guys even opening up like this. Yeah. Um, like I know, like this is this a lot of this is your personal life, right? And then you know your right. own personal experiences. But you know, we genuinely appreciate you guys stepping on here and being willing to talk to us. You know the way the way you have, and you know, I wish you guys nothing but the best. You know, success. You know, love, peace, and prosperity. Because this is something that you know I've we've wanted to do since since even starting this podcast right and i remember like shot we even mentioned it to you like you know q q you as well like you know you guys are great young minds you know like i'm right i'm I'm talking like i'm that old like i'm 21 (laughs) like (laughs) like, you know it's you know you guys are you're great you know you're 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 gonna be something you're gonna go somewhere and just just to see you know the way your minds work and you know where you're looking in your own lives and you know who you're doing it for it means the world to me so like i genuinely just want to tell you guys that i appreciate you right. too honestly nah, thank you for yeah, the you too, bro no of course nah, bro no nah, thank you for the invite and like bro this is dope like bro like <laughs> keep doing your thing okay. i'm being serious bro like i'm really tuned in i'm to the podcast i know me and q is tuned in and i even put my grandma on you know she listens <laughs> oh, to the podcast too <laughs> You know what I mean? So definitely, bro, keep. I'm doing your thing, bro. I'm proud of y'all for real, bro. And thank you. Thank you guys so much. Driving, bro. No, thank you. Well, uh, it's been nice chatting with you guys today. Um, we'll probably do this some other time, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, no, we'll definitely try <laughs> well, to do yeah. yeah. uh, just, I just, We just appreciate the opportunity to talk to other people, you know, that not only can relate to what we're going through, but can appreciate what it is we're trying to achieve. Like, you know, um, and I think just having guests on the show also allows us that additional motivation that we need sometimes to just keep it moving mm-hmm. and um, to get a different perspective, you know, it kind of gets annoying to hear Raph over the mic all the time, just saying. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so really appreciate you guys here. Um, all right. So, I mean, I guess we we can call it. I mean, that's episode 11. You know, right we there. appreciate you guys. You know, guys, keep tuning in. Uh, we're going to try to get you guys a few more episodes uh, before the end of the year um you know 2020s it's almost over so i guess you know finish what you need to finish you know push hard to the end but uh yeah no i think that's gonna be all all right catch you guys peace cheers